Well, good afternoon, Josh. Good afternoon, Nick. How Welcome are you? to Tentatively Called Do on Monday, our podcast. Okay. So, when we were in school, we used to have to do these reports where we would stand in front of the class and talk about a current event. And typically, the teacher would tell me how I'm wrong and then go sit down. And um, I'll tell you what, though, I learned a lot from it. And I I thought that maybe maybe we could use that format to do the same thing because I think there's a lot that can be learned from just um, doing some research and having a conversation. So today we're going to talk about minimum wage. Before we do, I think you should tell me who you are. I know you're Josh, but who is Josh Garcia? That's the question I ask myself every day. <laughs> Social studies educator, a plant lover, a craft beer lover, and uh, so our, our, our mutual love of lifelong learning has brought us to this point where we want to take on some of our biggest issues of today and do a little bit of a, a report for you guys. Yeah, we want to share our conversations that we have with everyone, which may turn out to be a mistake. So tell me more about you. My name is Nick Lewins, and uh, I'm an, I'm, I work in analytics. My job is to read stuff all day and talk about how it's going to affect uh, specifically law enforcement. So we did some research on minimum wage, and it, and it came up because it comes across my Facebook feed all the time, usually in the form of some meme that I look at and either say, well, that, that can't be right, or, God, if that's right, I'm a little afraid. Our goal here is to take a look as neutral as possible. Uh, basically, let us do the research for you. Yeah, so, and keep in mind, we're, we're normal guys. Like, we're, we're not here to tell you that we are the experts, but we're going to tell you that we did hours upon hours of research because, let's be honest, most of the stuff that comes across your Facebook feed, you look at it and you say, I don't know if that's true, but, God, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time to sit here and Google stuff, to read these reports. Oh, my God, especially if you're talking about legislation and bills that are before the House or the Senate. It, it takes forever to research these things, and ain't nobody got time for that. And so we said, what if we did? What if we wasted all of our free time reading everything that there is from the good, the bad, to the ugly, and shared it with you? Yeah. So, Josh. Nick. I'm going to tell you right now that I know jack shit about where minimum wage came from. Most of us don't. We don't really focus much on this in our education. We kind of get to the Great Depression and start talking about some other things in, in our hurry to get to World War II and all the excitement of great history. Of yeah, and so everything I know about minimum wage came from like roughly the 60s or 70s. Yeah, well, we're going to go back a little further than that. We're going to start back in the late 1800s. We're going through our Industrial Revolution here in the United States, kind of playing catch-up to parts of Europe and some other parts of the world, but uh, one of our big debates that comes with that is how do we treat our workers? Are we going to keep allowing kids in mines? Are we going to allow underpayment? And so we have these progressive movements happening and kind of getting us primed for the debate later on. So 1930s come along, we're in the middle of the Great Depression, Franklin Roosevelt, FDR, is run on this platform of helping rebuild the economy, Prior to this, our stance on labor is that it's kind of between the companies and corporations and the worker, which is a very American idea. We kind of let corporations handle their business. We're going to let you do what you want. Well, then it was a global idea too, right? Like yeah. That's what was happening in Europe for yeah. the most part. At the time, yeah. There were some, again, some, some movements that are trying to standard practice in place for these companies and corporations. But yeah, prior to that, I mean, we didn't really see consolidation of markets, you know, until we started seeing things like the steel industry here in the United States. So, And uh, FDR comes and says that one of his the key uh, pieces of legislation he wants to get passed is a minimum wage. And again, this is an idea that comes before him, but he sees this as an opportunity to include this in our economic relief. And like I said, people at that time kind of thought, okay, well, we're going to leave this up to the corporations. And for the most part, the United States Supreme Court had also sided on the side of the corporations in that. And it wasn't until 1937 that the Supreme Court finally turned the corner in a case called the West Coast Hotel Company versus Parrish, where the Supreme Court is going to side in favor of the idea that we can have a minimum wage and it can be upheld. So this is known as the big switch, and it gives FDR and the legislative body at the time the opportunity to then in 1938 pass the Fair Labor Standards Act. So what what I don't know anything about that case. What was it a factory or what's the idea? Chambermaid sues a hotel for back pay because she believed that the federal or minimum wage laws actually applied to her. Good for her. Um, so. 
This is the first time that the courts are going to side with her and saying that minimum wage laws do not violate the Constitution. And so, again, 1938, we finally have the Fair Labor Standards Act that's going to establish our first minimum wage for 25 cents per hour. Originally, Roosevelt wanted more. He wanted it to be 40 cents an hour. And there obviously were some discussions about what this would look like in terms of what is included in the bill. Is it going to automatically trigger raises for people depending on our economy? Compromises are made. We end up at 25 cents an hour with the idea that we'll just, as a legislative body, every now and then revisit the subject. And I'm, I'm just curious, was it a fight then? I mean, like, was it just like it is now where some people say it's got to happen and some people are like, no, or was this pretty much a unanimous, the whole legislature yeah, like, you know, we got to do this? There is a pushback about a lot of the FDR New Deal programs. A lot sure. of people don't believe that the federal government should be getting involved at that level in terms of the economy. But obviously, the desperation of the times allowed a lot more people to hop on board the idea that, okay, we need to put a large package in front of the American people. Sure to get us out of this, at that point, almost decade-long depression that they're in. So they get passed um, over so time. a lot of people are hurting. A, a lot, lot of people, people are hurting, hurting. yeah. yeah. And, and they had to put something in place to get people out. Yeah, we haven't been through these times before. No, we? never. This, History this never repeats itself. Economic turmoil that we're in right now is brand new to us. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Never is the worst thing. So, over time, we have legislative bodies that are going to kind of take a look at what needs to change, what needs to happen, who has access to this law. Uh, initially, it's any corporation or company that's making over $500,000 has to pay these minimum wages. Over time, that's going to change and include farm workers and eventually get to the point in the 60s where everybody's included so, uh, nationwide. I, we might not have an answer, but I'm kind of curious if this was something where people felt left out, where they were like, hey... You know, these, these factory workers are getting this. Why can't I as a farm worker or why can't I as a maid? Or, or is this something where they realize this is a good thing and we need to pass it on to other people? I'm going to go ahead and take a guess. We, we don't have, or at least I don't have the research in front of me stating okay. what a, a common citizen would feel. Uh, but I do know that in the 60s, we are hitting this point where we're trying to push equality. Right. Uh, we're trying to make it equal for more people in our society and engage more people in our society. Right, so it made sense to expand so this to as many people as possible. It's going to make sense, yeah. And especially, um, as you mentioned, under President Kennedy, where you right. have this second progressive movement after FDR. Once he comes in, we're going to start seeing things like the Equal Pay Act. That's going to take a broader view of what and who is included in this initial minimum wage law. So, but correct me if I'm wrong, between 1938 and 1969, where we are now, there were a lot of changes of hands in office, whether it was Republican or Democrat, back and forth, and minimum wage went up for all of them. Yeah. Did it not? Yeah, generally speaking, since the 40s, Democrats are going to control the legislative body more often than not. But throughout time, we have seen changes in minimum wage on both sides of the party. Um, right, so but there was also the political flip-flop that happened. Yeah. Southern Democrats aren't super happy with some of the progressive ideas of the Northern Democrats. And... You have people starting to switch parties and parties flipping on ideological. But yes, that is true. So so both generally, sides. both parties from the late 30s all the way to the late 60s were in favor of this going up with the times. Yeah. So from 38, we have changes in 1939, 1945, 1950, 56, and then in the 60s, uh, we have quite a few changes that happen. Almost every year, there's a, a change or an addition of people that are added to the minimum wage law. So the start of the 60s, we're going to go from a dollar an hour to by the end of the 60s, we're going to be making a dollar 60 per hour for pretty much everyone nationwide. Uh, quite a big change there. What's that in today's money? Today's money. Do you know? At a dollar an hour, adjusted for inflation, and this was using uh, just an online tool that I found, that would be $9.62 an hour in today's money. So more than we're making now. So actually more than we're making now, yeah. And then by the end of the decade, 1968, at $1.60, we would be at $12.03. So significantly more. So significantly more. And getting closer to what people are calling for today with $15 an hour. Spending power was a lot more back then. Based on inflation rates, that was actually the peak of what people would be making in today's dollars. So it goes down after that. So it's going to start going down from there. So in the 70s, we see a few more changes. We get $2 an hour in 74, $2.30 in 76. And by the end of the decade, 79, we are at $2.90 per hour. And today's money, that's going to be $10.45. So already we see that depreciation in what 
inflation has done to the dollar. So although we've gone up in our hourly rate in today's money, it's actually gone down. This is a trend that's going to continue into the 80s. 1980, we go up to $3.10. By the end of the 80s, we only have one other change in minimum wage, which happened actually at the beginning of the decade in 81 at 335. So 335 an hour today's would be $9.64. So again, still higher than where we're at right now, but a lot different than what we were even in the 1960s. Uh, in the 90s, we have a few changes. 1990, $3.80, 91, $4.25. I think it's really interesting that those increases still happen despite a recession. Sure. Yeah. Because there's a big recession in 90 or 91. Yeah. Well, but... in, in, you look at the early 70s and... Yeah, there was a recession then too. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so we're all over the place in terms of our economy. 60s, when we had that growth, we obviously have a lot of turmoil going on. We're in, we're in a time of war, so we're still raising money on minimum wage even when we were in Vietnam. You know, you and I have both looked at the data here, and there doesn't really seem to be any patterns that emerge for when the minimum wage is raised. Or when we decide not to raise it. Or when we decide not to raise it. So, okay. Um, by the end of the 90s and 97, we have a change to $5.15. And today's dollars would be $8.39. So again, we're still higher. And then our most recent changes happen in the late 2000 aughts, as I think they're called. 2007, 2008, 2009. I'm going to start saying that. I just learned that right now from you. So. 2000 and aughts. Um, can impress all my other friends. Yeah. At parties that don't happen. Yeah. But by 2009, we have our final change in the minimum wage, which gets us to $7.25. Which again, happened during a bear market. I mean, that, because you had the dot-com yeah. bubble that smashed, what, 2000-ish? And, and, and then we had the housing the collapse housing in class. 2008. Mm -hmm. so, but we're still seeing an increase in rage, yeah. even even with all of those things yeah. happening. That's interesting. And even uh, if we look at our 2009 rate, putting into today's dollar, it would be $8.84. Still more than what we are currently at in terms of our minimum wage. That kind of gets us to today. Uh, we haven't had any changes since 2009. We're still sitting at $7.25 as our federal minimum wage. That being said, federal is the key term there. A lot of states since 2009 have gone their own way and decided to raise minimum wage. So, and I'm wondering, it, to me, it just, it seems like common sense that we would just, got even back in the late 30s when you decided this was a good idea, there had to be some foresight like, hey, our, our economy is growing, our GDP is on the rise. Why was there not a conversation about, let's just set the minimum wage so it goes up every year by X percent of either GDP or median household income or like, is it just a political thing or are people just... I got to believe it. It began as a political thing. And that's, I mean... It's become easy to just kind of ignore that over time. I think that's probably the nature of our system. I mean, you only look as far as the next election. Yeah. And if I can run on, I'm going to raise minimum wage, you know, no one's going to vote for you until like, bro, it goes up anyway. Well, so I did some research on what's the situation today. And I will tell you that the 116th Congress, that would be 2019, 2020... Um, did introduce a bill. It's HR 582. If you want to look it up, we can put a link on our Facebook. Um, but they did introduce it in January 2019. They actually debated it in July of 2019. Um, I remember some of this on the news, but it really wasn't covered very well. And I, I think a lot of that was because of the other things that were going on. You had huge protests erupting all over the country. I mean, we had a president that, you know, like him or hate him, he made news every day for something. And so the debate actually happened. The House passes it 231 to 199 with three Republicans crossing the aisle and supporting the bill. It gets pushed to the Senate and it's read before the Senate and it's put in the calendar. And there it sat. They just kind of ignored it, which I, I didn't know they could do. Maybe someone who's more educated on the Senate can email me and let me know why that is. But they, it did. It just sat there. They just didn't hear it. So in January of 2021, like literally six days before I did all of this research, the House reintroduces the bill. And they changed, the only thing that they changed was the $15 an hour that everybody talks about. They wanted to move to 2025. So that there's gradual steps up to that. So the Raise the Wage Act is what it's called. And it sets the floor at $9.50 the moment that it's passed. And then it goes up to $11 an hour the next year. So minimum wage would then be $12.50 by 2023, $14 by 2024, and 15 by 2025. And historically speaking, that's what we've seen as we've seen these changes in the minimum wage. Uh, right. An act that gets passed, and there's going to be a two to three year period where it's going to change, or two to three years later before that change happens. So that there is time for businesses, corporations, 
to have that opportunity to make adjustments where they need to. Yeah, so, and if anyone's really keen on this and they want to go look it up, um, it's 29 USC 206 is the original bill that was published in 1938 and then amended every time after they wanted to increase the minimum wage all the way through 2007. So this raised the wage act would essentially be the next amendment to you 29 USC 206. And so it's, it's really similar in the way that it's structured. It's really similar in the way that they want to increase the wage over time. So that's the first thing that I think that we probably have to address is that when people say $15 an hour, that Democrats are pushing for $15 an hour, that the president is pushing for $15 an hour, it's not tomorrow. It's not like this thing passes and immediately everyone's wages go up to 15. That's not going to happen. I'm going to go into some of this that, that I found, some of the things that are being talked about both on Capitol Hill and in your social groups right now. So here's some fun stuff you can take to your friends whenever you see them after COVID. There's this idea that an increase in minimum wage means an increase in unemployment because employers can't afford it. It's not really true. It, it, so according to the Bureau of Labor uh, Statistics, the unemployment rate has literally continued to go down like exponentially since about 2009-ish. So unemployment goes up more so with recession than it does with anything else. So if you look from 2000 to 2020, there's a variety of ups and downs in unemployment and none of them correlate to increases in minimum wage at all. And we did have increases in minimum wage, like you said, from 2007 all the way through like roughly 2010 where those annual increases happened. And, and unemployment goes up, but it was already on the way up from that recession. And then once it hits the highest minimum wage, you would expect to see it continue to go up if there was a correlation. And it just doesn't. It plummets all the way down to like 2019 when we hit COVID and then it just skyrockets again. So the research that I found said that, you know what, there is going to be a quick unemployment problem um, when wages go up. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but that it really doesn't show over time that it's impacted long-term. It's a very short-term problem. There's this idea that it would increase poverty. And, and so my argument to that is there's just no way to know. Poverty is an incredibly complex thing. There's just too many variables, and this is just one of them. Starting from how do you define poverty? So I will tell you that for our purposes today, the poverty line in the United States is $12,760 for an individual. If you make less than that, you are considered impoverished. So we're just gonna go with that, the health and human services number. And the real thing is that if you look it had poverty in the United States. One, it's very, very complex, but two, it just kind of hovers from 1975 till now. It, there's really no huge changes. There's When there's a recession, yeah, it tends to go up a little bit. It tends to go back down as the economy recovers. But um, when it comes to the poverty line, there's just not, there's just not one answer for what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and who it's going to impact. I just want to throw this out there right now. If we're looking at pre-tax income at our current minimum wage, your yearly take home would be uh, $14,500. Inflation taking that up to our 2020 numbers, about 17,000. Yeah, so I calculated it and in 2021, making $7.25 an hour, assuming that you worked 40 hours a week and you never took a day off, you never got sick, you never did took a vacation, none of that, you would take home after taxes $13,673. And what was our property threshold? Our poverty threshold is 12,760. So you're living just above the poverty line. So just, just so that it's easier to track. Because for me, I don't look at what I make yearly. I look at what I make every other week because that's what's in my paycheck. I get paid every two weeks. And I look at the, the hourly because I'm very, very lucky in that I have the opportunity to earn overtime. And I'll tell you that if you worked for $7.25 an hour, the current minimum wage, 40 hours a week, you're talking about taking home $263 a week. Yeah. I know. That's that's unbelievable. Yes, that is unbelievable. So um, poverty rates for people over the age of 18 have been on the decline since 1975. That's a fact. You can look at um, NPR did a really great story on it um, in 2012, I believe it was. Um, it's called a snapshot of poverty. You can look that up. But it, they do talk about from the 70s till today how poverty has just been on the decline for people over the age of 18, especially if you're in a two-parent household. The other thing that people talk about that, that we need to cover is the doubling effect, um, where it's just too much. Um, they say that, oh, $15 an hour doubling minimum wage. Well, 
that's not really true. We just talked about it. It's going to be a stepped up increase. And, and even when you start talking about doubling, the exact same thing happened in the 60s when we started increasing it. And it literally had no effect on, effect on anything. I did see there's some really interesting things when you talk about inflation. And I'll tell you right now, you can literally go and calculate this. There's an inflation calculator online. You can find a hundred of them. But if you look at inflation from 2014 to 2020, I'm sorry, giving people $15 an hour is not going to increase the cost of a gallon of milk. It's not going to increase anything. When you look at inflation, and I, I pulled a graph from about 1920 all the way out to 2021, and I marked every single, and we'll put it out somewhere where people can see it, but if you marked every single increase in minimum wage, there's absolutely no correlation between inflation and minimum wage. There's just not. There may be certain things that are going to go up. Um, but they're going to be labor costs. They're not going to be commodity cost things. So when you talk about how much it costs to hire, I don't know, a contractor to paint your living room, that cost is probably going to go up. But that's not really something that is going to impact things like your milk, your orange juice, your bread. Well, and um, these grocery companies in those instances are going to have every incentive to keep prices as low as they can to keep customers. I mean, that's just the way that our economy works in a competitive capitalist Society. Well, right. So, There's also the buying power now. Right. Like when you, so when you start talking about the differences, the, the the amount of buying power that people will have at fifteen dollars an hour is very different. So there's the Congressional Budget Office did a review of what fifteen dollars an hour would do. Um, they also looked at a number of different steps. They looked at twelve dollars an hour, um, and they looked at a ten dollar an hour option and what they would do. And then the Wall Street Journal checked their work, which was really interesting. There's a great article from the Wall Street Journal. It's published in 2020, I believe. I don't think it's 2021, but it's called What You Need to Know About Biden's uh, $15 Minimum Wage Plan. The bottom line is that it's going to cost somewhere between one, probably 1.3, and I think the max is like 3.7 million workers their jobs. At the same time, the exact same number proportionally will be lifted out of poverty, which I think is interesting. And and when you start looking at the $12 an hour option that the Congressional Budget Office outlined and the $10 an hour option, they do the exact same things, that the number of people who lose their job is absolutely proportional to the number of people who are lifted out of poverty because of the change. And I think that's interesting. Yes. As you mentioned before, the buying power that it gives people is going to help with that, right? Right. So the other thing is that it so disproportionately affects people. Um, when you start talking about black workers and women, they're like 60% of the labor force. But when, when you're talking about like the Department of Labor says they're 58.5% of workers are 24 years old and younger. And, you know, 30% of them, 35% of them, something like that are single mothers. It's a huge number. And so those people are going to be disproportionately affected. They account for about 20% of paid hourly workers in general. Young people do, and under the age of 24, women, get this, account for 68.2% of minimum wage, minimum wage workers. That's huge. That's huge. I, I didn't realize that it was that big. Disproportionately affects women. Just over a quarter of minimum wage employees are black, but it's nearly double their share of the population. Sure. Which, uh, that's just mind-blowing. Yeah. And, and almost 75% of minimum wage workers hold a part-time, they're, they're part-time, not full-time employees. Now, the really interesting thing is there's very little data on how many of the people that are employed part-time for minimum wage hold other minimum wage part-time jobs because there's no way to do that. Yeah. The Congressional Budget Office, Bureau of Labor Statistics, I, I looked and tried to find like how many people are working full-time or more than full-time at multiple part-time jobs. Because the big issue is once you become full-time, you got to pay people benefits. There's other laws with that. So if I'm an employer and I'm literally looking for people where I can look them in the face and say, if I could pay you less, I would. I don't want to give them $40. I want to give them 39 I mean, jobs like that too, where yeah. here's what we're going to offer you hour-wise because if we give you more than this, we have yeah. to give you those benefits. I'm not going to name names, but I know that I have a lot of friends in the education industry in Michigan who have been told like, hey, here's your 38-hour-a-week paycheck yeah. as a teacher, which is a, a damn shame. So, and then there's this other thing that like we can't afford this. And I'm telling you right now that tons of places have already done this. Target, everybody loves Target. Everybody loves them so much that they're like meme worthy. Like people love Target. They yeah, already pay people 50. Right? Yeah, yeah, like I love Target. I'm sorry. Oh, the little one spot when you walk in, are you kidding me? There's amazing stuff in there. Really? Oh my God. Anyway, um, Target, everybody loves Target. Amazon, less people like them. 
Starbucks. Everybody loves Starbucks. I'm sorry. They have good coffee. You know what? They screw it up all the time. That's fine. They have amazing coffee and they're so nice to me. If you ever want to feel better, go to Starbucks. They pay $15 an hour. Even Walmart said that the minimum wage isn't enough. Like Walmart of all people said it's not enough. They start their employees at 11. They don't think 15 is, they think that's too high. At the same time, all of their competitors are doing it. Which will be interesting to see if that's going to drive them yeah. to do that as well. So then there's also this thing that other states, they can mandate their own minimum wages as long as it's above and not below the federal mandate. So like Washington State, they've had $13.69. That's where it is today. They've had it. And there's been a ton of studies on it. And I actually want to talk about one of those, the minimum wage study from the University of Washington I have in front of me. So we can bring that up, which is really interesting because they started in, I think it was 2017. They did the research in 16 and published in 17. And then they've done it over and over again. And this is the current version, which is 2020. And they found, what's really interesting is they found that the wage increase, they were at, they were previously at $9, I might be wrong, $9.46 an hour, 47 cents an hour. And then it increased to 11 in like 2015. That's a big jump. It was. And then it did it again in 2016 from 11 to $13 an hour. And now they're at $13.69 for the whole state. What they found is, I think, really telling that just like the Congressional Budget Office, that the number of people that were displaced and the number of people that saw an increase are roughly the same. The other thing that they found, which I think is really interesting, is that wages increased for those not just at minimum wage, but so they looked at wages all the way up to $19 an hour. So if you're making 11, wages all the way up to the people who were making 19 changed, um, which would be the equivalent if they did increase the minimum wage to 15. It'd be like anyone who's making less than $26 an hour would likely see a change in their wage. What they did, though, that's interesting that the Congressional Budget Office didn't do is they were able to access state tax data and look at hours. So they found that when they did those increases, hourly wages for employees, and they said anyone making $19 an hour or less, they saw modest reductions in employment. They did see people people just uh, got fired. But they did see very little change in the payroll, the total payroll for companies in these low-wage jobs. And what that means is that the companies tend to get leaner. So their total payroll cost being this, you know, hey, this is what you get hourly. We're paying you $11 an hour now, not the old nine. They're either reducing people's hours or they're getting rid of staff to make up the difference. Reduction in hours will lead to some of that job. Right. So, and part of me is like, well, it kind of sucks that they have to fire people. But at the same time, businesses getting leaner and becoming more efficient is not a bad thing. It makes them more stable in the years to come. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm sorry, if you're working in a minimum wage job, I've done it. It was a long time ago, granted. But if you're working in a minimum wage job, I can bet right now that you can list off people on your hands that don't make what they should, that are doing way too much work. And you probably have an equal number of people who don't do jack shit and just collect a paycheck. Sure. And so maybe they do need to get leaner. I mean, that's just something that's going to happen. And this Washington study found it. And then they found the same thing when you increase to $13 an hour, the same thing happened. It just happened at a larger um, rate. So the larger rate meant that 3% of people instead of 1.5 saw those those wage changes. They had a 9% reduction of hours worked for employees below $19 an hour. This was really interesting to me. Companies reduced their payroll by over $100 million per year total for low-wage jobs, meaning this idea that we have to pay our employees more and it's going to cost us more. The Washington study told you that that's bullshit, that what's going to happen is you're going to fire people, you're going to close whatever your your stores, your operation that is not as profitable as you want it to be. You're going to close it down. And they actually reduced the amount that they were paying out in labor. If you're able to do that, maybe those jobs shouldn't have existed in the first place, or maybe they're going to automation. There's a lot of variables there where they're investing that money. But the idea that they were able to save $100 million in payroll when it went up, but only cut a certain number of jobs, to me, means that you got lean. You got rid of the employees that weren't doing anything, and you were able to save money as a business. And, um, and there's the discussion of, like you said, like you feel bad for these people that are being displaced from jobs. But as you mentioned, the data is also showing that this isn't leading to big upticks in unemployment in the long run. So it's exactly. making corrections and adjustments, right? So these people right. are finding other jobs. 
Yeah, so there's there's some things that this study doesn't cover, and I'll, I'll kind of go over those. But generally, yeah, that's what we're seeing. Like you, you, the Washington state's economy is just fine. I mean, they're doing really well. It's, well, comparatively, they're doing very well. There are states that are not faring so well through this, but Washington is not one of them. Maybe it's, you know, Seattle that's holding up on it. But the other really interesting thing is that payroll for low-wage jobs declined. So they're, they're actually hiring less minimum wage employees than they were when minimum wage is so low. And I think that that's, there's a couple things happening there. One, it's that they can't afford them. But it's also that when you're paying someone minimum wage, it's an easier decision to make as a business. Do we need another person? Sure. Throw them on the books. Who cares? It's such a small percentage of your outgoing when you hire a part-time minimum wage employee. When that minimum wage goes up and it becomes a larger expense, you have to think real hard before you bring on that person. And so there, there's a lot of things that come with that. And, and it's really interesting that they said, when we replicated these methods in previous studies, we produced the exact same results as previously found. The survey de- data collected independently from this data analysis indicate that the inclusion of multiple location businesses multiple industries would not significantly alter these results. So the other thing I found when I started looking into this is tipped employees are very different. Their new wage would be $3.60 and then $1.50 every year after that, or a percentage of the raise determined by the secretary, I believe of the Congressional Budget Office, up to $0.05 from $2.13 an hour. So their wages could go up a lot and they could go up just a little bit. You could get a five cent raise, you could get a dollar and fifty cent raise. It just depends on what the budget office decides is the appropriate percentage of your pay. Which, okay, fine. I guess that's one thing that I've been asking for is why don't we just make this a percentage of GDP and forget about it. Sure. So they also, I think this is really interesting, they added a sentence that employers must make tipped employees aware that they have the right to retain tips. Now I haven't worked for tips in a very long time. I I valeted cars to get myself through college, and we worked on tips. And as long as no one from the IRS is listening, we claimed just enough to make over minimum wage and then pocketed the rest. That's just what we did. Um, And I, I have a feeling it's similar in other places where you get paid so little that you need to find every excuse you can to retain as much of that cash as you can. But like, like, let's be real, like. Jeff Bezos is also looking to retain as much cash as he possibly can, just like a tipped employee. Like, we all want to get away from taxes. So let's just get that out in the open. If you don't, more power to you. You're a better person than I am. So the other thing that I found is that newly hired employees under 21 currently can be paid $4.25 an hour. That just, to me, I was like, wow, I didn't know that was a thing. The new rule would make that five fifty, and they would get a dollar and 25 cent raise every year after that until they're 20, and then they fall under the minimum wage rule. Okay. It's interesting to me because a lot of the things that I see about this are like, hey, these are meant for high school kids trying to get by, and it doesn't even apply to them. Like, this doesn't even apply to them. If you have high school kids working for you at your ice cream stand, you can still pay them jack shit. You don't have to give them a raise to 15 according to the new rule. So the other thing that I thought was crazy, I was not aware of this and I feel bad that I wasn't. It doesn't apply to people with disabilities. And yeah, that is interesting. It, I didn't know that. And I, and I do. It, I, I felt awful that I didn't know that, that mm-hmm. I'm so disconnected from that world that I had no idea that you can actually hire and pay people with disabilities a lot less than anyone else. I mean, more power to people who actually employ people with disabilities. More people should do it. At the same time, they shouldn't be making slave labor wages to do this. But the new rule does impact them. So um, the way that it takes effect is they make $4.25 an hour for the first year, $6.40 for the second, $8.55 for the third, and so on. And it goes up to the fifth year where they're making $12.85 an hour. So they still are not entitled to a minimum wage of $15. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. And I don't know, maybe someone who owns a business can like let us know, but I'm betting you get a pretty good tax break for employing people with disabilities. So you're like, hey, I can pay you less and I get a tax break. Why not? Um, It kind of, to me, I, I know I'm super cynical. Like I do see there's a number of like Starbucks locations that I know that employ disabled people. And I think it's awesome. I now think a little bit less of Starbucks because it's like, I hope they're paying them minimum wage. If they're not, 
that's messed up, man. Because they're doing just as good a job as anyone else there, in my opinion. I feel like that's um, a, a good deep dive for another podcast. Yeah, that might be another thing that we need to do more research on, because I was kind of stunned by that. Important big debates that has been happening is, you know, people are trying to make comparisons of, oh, we're going to pay $15 an hour for people to flip a burger or check out your, your grocery line or whatever. You know, that's not fair. I, you know, I'm a teacher and I only make $30,000 a year. Well, yeah, that is true, but that the conversation should be, what are we paying these other people yeah, no who shit. have <laughs> careers rather than what yeah. are we fairly paying? And we've already discussed for minimum wage people, you know, you're making take home what'd you say, fifteen thousand. Yeah, 5, I can 000. go back in my notes here. I can you tell know, you pre-tax, you're you're about seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand dollars. The median income, household income right now, is sixty-eight thousand dollars. So even with the jump up to fifteen dollars an hour, where you're taking home twenty-six thousand or thirty thousand, thirty-one thousand pre-tax. Yeah, after taxes, you'd be taking home almost twenty-seven thousand. Yeah. So. You know, you're still well below me. You're still more, well below the median household income, and when we're talking about things like housing assistance and things like that, you know, that's the other part of the conversation is where what are we doing in terms of our housing markets and our rent markets? So right now, our median cost of own, owning a home, home ownership, median median cost of the house is two hundred seventy three thousand dollars. Oh yeah, that's unbelievable. You know, whereas back in 1940, when we kind of started minimum wage in today's dollars, thirty thousand dollars would be your house. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge yeah. difference. And so looking at that and looking at rents, which I know you have some data on, you know, how many more people can get close to renting, homeownership, pay for college, all these other expenses that go beyond just trying to survive yeah, and, above a property line. And there, there is something that's going to happen, and, and it's just basic math, and, and no one can argue it, that if you are a business and you operate on tight margins, because there are industries that do, for example, grocery stores, like historically grocery stores when all they do is grocery you have your walmarts you have your targets they make and maybe someone who works there can correct me but they make the vast majority of their money not in that grocery sector they're making it on the other things that you buy when you go in there's a reason when you walk into walmart there's tvs and candy and you know clothes and all this stuff in your face the whole time those high markup items they're not making a ton of money in their bakery as compared yeah. to their electronics section. That's just the nature of how these things work and mark up. And, be, and part of it is the waste and part of it is estimating how much product you're going to need. But the other part of it is what are you going to pay people and the, the labor involved in produce, the labor involved in meat. So those those industries will feel this crunch. If, if wages go up to $15 an hour, you know, I live in the Spring Lake area and we have Orchard Market. It's going to hurt them. And, and, and places like that, it's going to hurt. Yeah, I think small businesses is where you're seeing a lot of the argument being made against raising minimum wage. And, and that's fair. Like you said, having your small mom and pop stores and markets is painful for a lot of them. Right. And then and then there's, a, there's also whole industries where um, we feel it more in West Michigan just because we do have a fairly large tourism industry where there are whole businesses that are structured around who's going to be here on the lakeshore in the summer doing their boating, their fishing, visiting our gorgeous beaches and parks. And when you have those mom and pop shops that are reliant on that and they're paying minimum wage employees as little as they possibly can because they got to make it through the summer and make enough money so that they can close down for the winter when we're absolutely buried in snow, those businesses are going to hurt as well. They're going to have to completely change some of the analytics for how they're going to be able to make it if they have to pay their employees that much more. So we do have to recognize that, that there are industries that are going to be hurt. Um, and there's also going to be some that fold. There just are. And that's okay. Uh, you know, there are some businesses that are going to go away because they can't afford to operate. And I'll tell you right now that I'm sorry if you operate a business and you completely rely on paying people as little as you possibly can to the point where when wages go up over the course of five years, you can't be in business, then you have a poor business model and you shouldn't be in business. That's just my personal opinion. So there's going to be people who are like, hey, man, I live in Nebraska and I have a blueberry stand and I can't afford to pay $15 an hour. And you don't know what it's like out here. Well, guess what, Jack Wagon? I lived in Lawrence, Kansas for eight years. And I know exactly what it's like out there in those small towns. I also know that you're not paying your Hispanic workers. Exactly. And I know you're not paying your illegal immigrants that anyway. So that's a whole nother podcast. But so we're first in GDP in the world. China, Japan, and Germany come in following... Our GDP is seven times that of Germany. 
It's four times that of Japan, and we're 50% higher than China. We're about a quarter of the world's GDP. That's insane. We produce that much. We have that much wealth in our country, but we're 12th in minimum wage. Yeah, I, I think when you start doing competitive analysis across countries in the world, uh, you see that we, with our economies, the strength that it is, we seem to have different focus, a different focus with where that money is being allocated. And then, you know. Yeah, now there is some interesting things that happen as you go down through these countries, like China, I mean, they're median household income. I don't even know that they would actually be able to calculate it. There's so many people across so much stuff. And frankly, can we really trust the Chinese government to tell us anything and believe it? Example, COVID. But at the same time, when you go through this and you have $3 an hour in China, $9 an hour in Japan, and these are, I recalculate these all to US dollars, so you don't have to worry about that. Germany is about $12 US. Australia is $15 US. The UK is about 12. France is about 12. Those are all minimum wages. So the idea that we shouldn't have a minimum wage is like, come on. Now, I thought it was really interesting. Denmark, Sweden, Iceland, all the Nordic countries combined, and they have these this really interesting idea that they don't have a minimum wage. And the reason they don't have a minimum wage is because having a minimum wage interferes with, with the collective bargaining of unions to be able to negotiate wage. Very, very interesting. If the U.S. had a law that said that you cannot forbid employees from joining collective bargaining units and unionizing, I hope you're listening, Jeff Bezos, then you wouldn't need a minimum wage. You look at historically, one of the often cited examples of building a middle class is Henry Ford and the $5 a day or $5 week minimum wage increase for his employees at the plants here in Michigan. And the idea being that kind of what we've been discussing all along here, that if you give your employees more money, they have more spending power and they're going to be able to turn around and buy more things. In that case, it's the cars that they're producing right there in Detroit, Michigan. So, right. you know, there's that, but hey, Henry Ford might be another topic of discussion later because he's a fascinating individual. There's a lot of information there to get through, but yes, but, uh, you know, that if, if we worked in that way where you had your corporations looking out for employees like that, then sure. And ask me what that means when they don't have a minimum wage. So what does that mean for workers in those Nordic countries? It means that the minimum that you get paid, the low end in those Nordic countries is about $18 an hour in the US. The average, the average is $25.50 an hour. That's the average for an employee in Nordic countries and that's converted to US dollars. That's insane. I mean, that's that's awesome, like good for them. And and you can't say like people are like, ah, socialism, whatever. They have some of the most stable economies in the world, look it up. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me that, so there is this argument that, hey, we don't need a minimum, minimum wage and the Nordic countries who are super stable would agree. They would just say you need to have collective bargaining units if you're not going to have a minimum wage because this is the way that the free market actually works. Right. And that, I mean, that tracks that they would have higher wages to also help kind of offset some of those extra costs and taxes and such. But, you know, again, that's that's helping them keep people off of the poverty line when you're buying into a system where you're being provided more things than what other countries yeah. provide. So, so let's get to the, the gist of this. We can't have a conversation about minimum wage. We can't talk about minimum wage in any kind of educated way without first acknowledging that the people that are going to be impacted by this are not part of the conversation. The idea that you can work for minimum wage and have a say about minimum wage and what it should be um, is unheard of in the U.S. Us having this podcast and talking about minimum wage as good or bad um, is a reflection of our privilege and wealth. I don't work for minimum wage. I haven't worked for minimum wage in a long time. I have a college degree, multiple degrees, as you do. I have a college um, degree, and I make uh, not too much more than what our proposed minimum wage would be, but that's okay. I, <laughs> but I, that's because you're a teacher, and we don't value those. Yeah, so, and, and my argument never would be that these people don't deserve to have that. My argument would be that they deserve that, and we should pay other sectors more as well. Yeah, so I think that's the first thing, is if you're going to sit back and have a conversation about minimum wage, whether it's listening to a podcast or with your friends, or you want to send me a nasty email after this, um, the very first thing that you have to recognize is your ability to do that shows that you are not a minimum wage employee. The people that are passing these memes around on the internet that are like, blah, 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 your milk's going to go up, rah, rage, millennials, they want more to do less. If you're passing those, you're not a minimum wage employee. I think that everyone should be part of the conversation, but at the same time, if you're not recognizing that, I think it's incredibly disrespectful and you're a jackass. 
The other thing that is absolute fact that no one can disagree with is if you're a single mother, if you're a minority, or if you're under the age of 24, these are good things. I think probably some of the most underappreciated people in our society are tipped workers, are your servers in restaurants, and the vast majority of those are women, minorities, and young people. And this impacts those groups to a huge degree. It's going to change their lives if they're working full-time as a tipped employee or a server or a factory worker, and those people, they matter. I think that the other thing that's really important to understand is when you start talking about single mothers and you start talking about minorities and people under the age of 24, the reason you're getting the pushback that you are on this is because those people vote Democrat, overwhelmingly vote Democrat. And so giving those people more money, putting them in a position of power is not something that you want to do if you're on the Republican side of the aisle right now, which is interesting. It can be a whole other podcast, but historically has not been the case. The other thing that I think it's important is there will be job loss. You have to understand that, that if this goes up, people will lose their jobs. However, it's going to be short term. This is not something that's going to crash our economy. There's a lot of people that are like, oh my God, we'll never recover. That's absolute bullshit. Like yeah. it, we will recover. There Historic will be job loss. People. Showing yeah. that we are not going to collapse as a country. We are still here in 2021 and we've gone through the list of times that we have raised yeah. the data says between three and nine percent ish people will lose their jobs who work uh, a minimum wage job that's just the fact of it but it also shows that long term those jobs will come back as long as our economy continues to remain stable what i would fear is this passing us losing our jobs and going into a recession of that and could be very scary there is some discussion that can be had and again this is for economists beyond our level about the situation that we're in right now economically what is going to happen with this and then how would that play into a minimum wage rate increase and those are conversations that need to be had for sure but ultimately we get to the point where we don't really know what's going to happen and even the best economists don't know when it's going to happen and depending on which view of the economy you have as an economist you're going to have different opinions about what should be done and what will happen and at the end of the day none of us know Yeah, and and the other thing that I think is really important is there, uh, I dug and dug and dug, man, over the last week, I couldn't find anything that supports that inflation will change at all based on the minimum wage. There's just no data to support that. Um, Even on a local level, it's just not going to change. And and people's lives are going to get better, and the math supports that. Um, We can put these some of this stuff up where people can see it. But when you're talking about your daily wage going from $52 a day for a full day of work up to $102, that's a big difference, especially when rents, like right now, the average rent in the United States is, according to the U.S. Census, it's right at like $900 a month. And that would be from like 2016, I think was the last census. And when you talk about the difference when you have to pay rent of $900 a month of making $1,100 a month versus making $2,230, I mean, it's a huge difference in your ability to live. And that's just um, your cost of, you know, how at that point it's not even your, you know, food. Right. So the other thing that's super important is that small businesses will feel the hit. But you have to ask yourself about small businesses. Are they a local small business who operates on a very tight margin? And can they be saved by simply investing in them? I know for a fact I'm I'm very privileged and I have a little bit of disposable income. I try to spend it locally whenever I can. Yes, I go to local restaurants. We're drinking local beer right now. Yeah. We will continue to drink local beer all the time. Right. So there are businesses like that that operate on those slim margins that you just got to spend more at the business. And I think that giving people... The, the ability to spend more is going to fire up those businesses that are worth having around. Certainly. And the other thing is that, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say to, to your point from before that it forces businesses also to look at, okay, are we going to pay for three part-time employees at this new $15 an hour wage, or are we going to have one full-time employee that we're going to pay more? And there's really no data for it. I think there's another side to this. Um, that I think is understated that the Congressional Budget Office can't tell us and neither can any of these universities. And that's just the quality of life and living when you feel like you're cared about as an employee. When you're currently making about $14 an hour right now, which is over minimum wage, do you really feel valued when you go home and you still can't pay your bills? You still, you know, you, you have to have food stamps. You, you know, you're worried about month to month what's going to happen if your car breaks down. 
when your wage goes up to 19 or $20 an hour and you can actually afford to live, what does that do for your quality of life and your happiness in your job? How much more, when your boss comes and says, hey, I'm going to pay you $17 an hour, but I need you to do X, Y, and Z. I know for a fact that I'd say, I'm on it, sir. Let's Absolutely. do this. Well, um, I know for a fact it, it changes your how people view you in society, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're no longer that person that people are saying, oh, they're just lazy. They just, you know, they just work harder and, and they'll succeed. <laughs> well, as we kind of pointed out here, you can be working full time hours at minimum wage and you can't provide for yourself. Yeah, and so let me is that tell you what. Lazy? Especially the people, like you said, working two, three jobs. That person's not lazy. It's just the deck that we've dealt them. Yeah, and if you don't believe me, go to any target in the country and ask someone for help. And like it, it blows, like there's going to be, yeah, you might find someone's going to do it and be like, man, I, I got the one asshole that works for Target in the whole <laughs> industry. Job, yeah. I get well it. Done. But at the same time, like, you go through a Target and you ask someone for help and you get the kindest responses. Same with your Starbucks, the people who. They've been paying $15 an hour as their bottom, as their basement for long enough now that people feel valued. And then go to Popeye's, where I know they make minimum wage. I've had friends that work there, and it's delicious. It's absolutely the best chicken that there is, fast food. Don't even shake your head. It's well, that's the, another podcast. Yeah, that might be that. another podcast, yeah, but it is. It's the best well. fast food chicken that there is. Let me tell you, you won't be treated well at Popeye's. They don't make enough to care. And that's just the the reality of what it is. So the other thing that we have to talk about is there is an idea, and, and it's not a bad idea. There is that libertarianism side to this where more laws are bad laws. And I have to give credit to Tim DeVries, the guy I work with, who who told me this. And he's absolutely right that there is this idea that, you know what, like the bigger that we get, when does this stop? In 2035, are we looking at a $27 minimum wage and we're going to argue about it then? When does it stop? When does it stop being a political thing if we don't stop it now and say, look, there's not going to be a minimum wage or we just flat rate say, hey, look, your minimum wage is going to be a percentage of GDP and we're just going to call it done. There is a whole side of the aisle like that where we're more laws or bad laws. And I would agree. At the same time, we have to stop making laws that protect corporations and their profits and not employees. And if we're going to get rid of one, we have to get rid of the other. I think that most people who are generally libertarian would agree with, say, what the Nordics are doing. Say, we're not going to have a minimum wage, but we're also not going to stop you from unionizing. In a perfect world, I would love to live under that libertarian rule. I would too. Again, since Henry Ford's time, we've seen very few actions of corporations and businesses taking that step in advance. And, you know, like you've mentioned, we have corporations now that are doing that too, Target and and, um, Starbucks and uh, Trader Joe's has recently come out saying that they're going to start paying more. And I think in this pandemic, we've seen uh, people valuing those types of jobs more than maybe they did before. Yep. Uh, but, you know, in a perfect world, yeah, that'd be great. If, if people treated people the way they should and said, hey, I see you're struggling. I'm going to pay you more. But I've never had that happen to me. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> no. your car is kind of old. Let me give you a raise so you can get a new car. Yeah. No, yeah. it doesn't happen. Are like you that. eating well enough? Do you need more money? No. You know. No, it doesn't happen. And you know, did, that'd be great. So there's also there's also the other side that you know what, like you have to pay people what they're worth, and those people will move. And the free market, you know, dictates. At the same time, we have to talk about the monopolization of labor, because there are so many towns right now where a single factory is the sole employer for the city. There are places, no lie, where they build Amazon warehouses. And something like 80% of the people in the town, their employer is Amazon now. And that just is what it is. They have to deal with that. And it's not it's not a realistic thing that people can just up and move. Yeah. That like if you're wealthy, if I decided, you know, tomorrow that I want to try to find a job in Texas, I could sell my house and move to Texas because that's okay. I'm not a minimum wage employee. But I'm sorry, if you're working for minimum wage and you have a child at home and you're a single mother, picking up and moving to Austin is not an option for you. Correct. It's just not something that's that's even on your radar that you could possibly do. Even if you could get the job, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So the other thing that we do have to recognize is that there has never in the history of minimum wage been an increase of the size. This is a huge increase. Now, if you were to draw a line for minimum wage, and let's say we did not neglect it through most of the 2000s, we'd already be there, wouldn't we? We'd be pretty close. close. Yeah, we'd be close. I mean, if... if every decade we're generally speaking going up at least a dollar pretty close to it we're, we're at least would be close to ten dollars an hour by 2020 
Yeah, so so we would have been close yeah. had we done it. And I think the other good thing that's going to come out of this is no matter what happens with the minimum wage, economists will know. Yeah. You know, it'll finally be the answer that they were looking for where they can say long term, this is what happens when you increase minimum wage exponentially. X number of things happen. Even if you read the Congressional Budget Office report, and I can link it or whatever, if you really want to go through all 52 pages um, like I did, the margin of error is pretty large. Sure. And, and so it'd be really nice, you know, even if the, when this does pass, it, even if things go to shit, at least we'll know. We'll know exactly how much we can play with minimum wage in order to have an impact that doesn't destroy our economy. Right. So the other really important thing is that this is super complicated. It's just so complicated. And when you talk about all of the industries that pay minimum wage workers, it's going to impact your food service a lot different than factory workers, a lot different than cleaning personnel, a lot different than uniform delivery. I mean, there, there's so many places where this is going to have an impact. And I will tell you one interesting thing is I think you are going to see certain increases in things like contract workers. We did see that when minimum wage goes up and you no longer want to pay an employee full time to do it. A lot of businesses, one way that they get lean is they hire contract workers and say, hey, can you do this for $200? Or can you do this for $5,000 over the next two years? And they find that hiring contract employees, Amazon and their drivers, i.e., they say, yeah, we pay $15 minimum wage. But if you're contracting everything out, you don't have to pay shit. It's easy way around that. Um, yeah, it also reduces your liability. Yeah. And I think you're going to see more of that, people taking that model where they say, oh, yeah, we have a $15 minimum wage, but... How much of our own work do we actually do? It's just something interesting to think about. And I do think it's important, especially like we can look at some of the stuff that we're seeing online right now. We'll do it in real time and talk about some of these memes. But one of the biggest ones is people think that for some reason, when you pay someone more, it's going to have some adverse effect on everything around them that, that all of a sudden, like the, there's one meme going around, it's all for Facebook about, what is it, a minimum wage employee right now can buy a gallon of milk, but if they increase the wage to $15 an hour, the milkman also has to increase his costs, and now that person can't afford a gallon of milk. That is absolute bullshit. That is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. There's absolutely no data to support that, and if you share that, stop. Again, the, the market will correct itself, and so... The incentive isn't going to be to raise your prices. The incentive is going to be how do I keep my, you know, my customers. One company is raising their milk prices. I'm probably going to stick to another company just throwing it out there. Yeah, and then then there's a, there's another meme that's going around talking about, uh, you know, it'll show a picture of an employee, like a bunch of employees, and like two thirds of them are saying I got a raise, I got a raise, and one third of them are going I got fired because of the raise. That's true. That's probably going to happen. And that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And there's some research to indicate that that will happen. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to lose their jobs long term. There's no data to support that they don't find another job somewhere else or in another sector. And we haven't really talked about it. There is this idea of automation. And I will tell you that <laughs> the most expensive thing for almost any business is labor, is people. Um, people are expensive. And this idea that you think if minimum wage goes up, all of a sudden you're going to be ordering your McDonald's from a computer screen, you need to wake up. If McDonald's could work on computers right now without any employees, they don't give a damn what minimum wage is, they would do it. Okay. They're already putting like people cost too much. I'm sorry. They do. Absolutely. And that's just the nature of what's happening. Like in 30 years, you won't have people working at McDonald's. You will literally order from a screen and it will spit that thing out at you because that's cheap. Yeah. Now, what it's going to do is open up other sectors. You're going to see other, like when you have labor, when you have people that want to work, somebody will think of a way to employ them to make some money because that's what we do in this country. Well, look at the, as you've mentioned a couple times now, the rise of Amazon. I mean, that is your quintessential American story right now in 2021. You're dot-com tech holdover that has now become this global conglomerate that now is becoming a major source of labor in a lot of places as they're building these distribution hubs. You know, those are jobs that didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. Also, Tech five years ago, right? Yeah, and maybe not appropriate for this podcast. Let me tell you what, I'm going to call it right now for all of our two listeners. Um, Amazon's going to get broken up. I don't care what anyone says. In the next 10 years, Amazon will not be the company that it is today. And I'll tell you, if I were going to invest my money anywhere, it would be Amazon Web Services. Bezos got out uh, at probably the right time. 
Oh, yeah. He was like, I'm done with this. I'm not appearing before Congress. Screw that. Um, they're going to break them up. They control too much. But at the same time, they, it's absolutely brilliant. When people say you're going to be replaced with machines, you're damn right you're going to be replaced with machines, but it has nothing to do with the minimum wage. It really does not. And I'll tell you that the other thing, it's really interesting. I would love to see some research on the places where machines didn't work. Let me tell you, when I go to a restaurant and they have one of those stupid self-checkout damn things that looks like an Amazon Alexa sitting on the table and it's like, go ahead and use that for your card. I hate it. I hate everything about it. I don't yeah. want to check on the screen. I want to have communication with a person who right. is kind to me that I can tip really well. well there's, um, there's that human interaction that I think will never fully go away. Yeah. And if you're listening and you have a call center and you have a computer that answers the phone and I have to push 19 keys to get through it, I will never be one of your customers, Comcast. I will never be one of your customers. Touch well, because... Hashtag Comcast. No, I have AT&T now, and as long as it works, I don't have to deal with it. Good for you. Um, but yeah, if you, but that, but that's the thing. Like, if you think realistically that people are gonna, businesses are gonna automate away from having hands-on labor, you are absolutely right. It has nothing to do with minimum wage. Yeah, absolutely. Not. Um, it's a matter of time. The cost of your gallon of milk isn't gonna go up because of minimum wage. There are people who will lose their jobs because of minimum wage, but let me tell you, if you're sharing that meme online, it's not you. It's just not you. Yeah. That That's just the reality of what's going on right now. So just, um, Again, remember back in the 60s when you had that minimum wage job, that's $12 an hour day of money. So yeah. you, uh, you were pretty close to that 15 back back in the 60s. So Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, the other thing that just kind of blows my mind is that there's some people who are really passionately against this when in reality, there's really no data to support it, that, that it is going like to be passionate about being against this means that you're making stuff up or you like it's fear. It's just fear based. It's fear based. There's no data to support that our economy will crash with an increase in minimum wage. There are moral lines that can be drawn where you say, hey, I'm a libertarian and I really just don't want more laws. I don't think there should be a minimum wage. Well, let me tell you what, there is right now. Yes. I mean, if you're going to have one, you should do it right. Well, I think it goes back to the point of we made these people out to be villains in a lot of cases. As a society, we've allowed people to say that these minimum wage workers who want more are lazy and they just need to work harder. Well, they're doing what they can do. If they're working 40 hours a week and making $20,000 a year, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not possible to live on that. We talked about rent costs. We talked about housing costs cost of college has skyrocketed in the last 10 years. And you can't compare what your experience was in previous decades because that's not where we're at anymore. There's no point in discussing what, you know, your gallon of milk costs or your house yeah. costs. Or and and I'll tell you what, that's man, not what the it, reality is now. If I had to pick a side for the minimum wage, I would say right now, I think that is needed. I think that there's, but it's a much bigger conversation. I think that when people share these simplistic memes, they're they're missing out on on the complexity of the situation because like the bottom line is there there is an argument for we just don't know yeah we don't know how this is going to impact and if you're like hey I don't think we should raise the minimum wage because I'm afraid and we don't know fair that's a yeah. valid argument or you say you know what I don't think we should raise the minimum wage because I'm a small business owner and this is really going to hurt and I don't know how I'm going to deal with it fair totally get that if you're like hey I don't want my local businesses to go away or suffer fair I get that but if you think it's because your milk is going to go up a dollar a gallon shut up yeah it's just not true yeah. like you don't have to worry about that if you think it's because you're gonna lose your job because you work for a minimum wage it's not it's just not the people that they're gonna get rid of are the people who don't do their jobs they're gonna trim the fat make yourself invaluable yeah um well and the thing that bothers me about those types of people that you're describing you know well okay fine if you if you don't want to raise the minimum wage then why aren't you out there putting up discussion about what we're going to do instead. Exactly. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we need to treat people better, and we need to make sure that all of our citizens are taken care of and doing well. Yeah. And if you are just simply against someone else doing well because you don't want to see people succeed, then that is another societal problem that we need to have a discussion about. But if you have genuine concerns and fears, I totally understand that. Yeah. And I think we need to look ourselves in the face as a society and say, like, hey, the, the reason I don't want minimum wage to go up is because of me. Yeah. I, it's because I, I think that I should make more than those people and that would change it. And and I don't want that. There's there's selfish reasons why you don't want minimum wage to go up. And it might be that, hey, 
I make a little bit more than that right now. And I don't like, you know, if you're an EMT right now, I'll tell you, if they make $15 minimum wage, you're making about a buck more than that. We should pay EMTs more. 100%. We should pay teachers more. We should do those things. And you know what? Maybe with tax revenues changing, we can. In Michigan, let's just accept that we'll never fix the damn roads and pay our teachers what they deserve. Yeah. You know, um, there, I think that there's a lot of discussion there. But the bottom line is, for me, you can weigh in, Josh. I think that it's too complex a situation to say that 15 is too much or 15 is too little or we shouldn't raise the minimum wage when the bottom line is raising minimum wage takes people out of poverty. It has no impact on inflation and it has very little, if any, impact on unemployment. Short term, you could argue that, but long term, it has absolutely no impact. And all of the data shows that the only reason that you would be against this is if you own a small business, if you're a libertarian and you're against those laws, but like we said at the same time, it means you got to get rid of those laws that protect corporations. Yes. You know, or or if you're scared and you just don't know. Yeah. And that's a fair thing. None of us know. And like you said, until we try and we have people that are able to study it, we won't. But we've had minimum wage raises without any adverse side effects. We're still here in 2021 as the richest nation in the world. Our economy is doing great. Some people are doing better in that economy than others. So this is an easy way that we can raise our floor, our bottom, and help people that need it more so than others. And again, if like you said, Nick, if your whole argument is just based around, well, I feel like I value my job more and I don't get paid that much. Well, okay, then we need to have a discussion about Yeah, thinking more. Well, that's our take on minimum wage. That's uh, what we learned about it. And, and like I said, we are not experts. I'm sure that there are people who are going to hear this who are experts and are kind of pissed at us. And hopefully you'll comment on Facebook or send us an email or something and let us know where Thank we you. screwed up. We'd love that. We're going to post our research and all the things that we did um, where you can view it and see where we got our information and the takeaways. Um, we do our best to find good sources. Um, we put it through the crap test so you can look that up, Google it. It's a great way to vet your sources hopefully you got something out of it whether it's uh what you're going to share on facebook or a uh i don't know a little quip for when we can start going to parties again 2023 or whatever it is right um but at least you know you'll you'll have a little bit more information so you can uh, talk a little bit more about it um this was our book report for you on monday and um, this is where our teachers tell us we're wrong it's been a pleasure nick i'll see you next week